And then really becoming a student of artificial intelligence, digital twin. If you could really be involved in that, their corporations are really being formed so many every day. That's going to be opportunities for students and also people. You mentioned this, Jeff. They've decided that you wanted to be an accountant for 20 years after COVID. You're like, you know, I want to do something more interesting to me or do something that's a change. Well, there you go. Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi there, Looking Forward listener. That was James Quinn. We'll refer to him as Jim on the show, speaking about just a couple of the many opportunities he sees, not only for students finishing college, but for others too, such as people who might be thinking about a mid-career change, be they accountants or someone else. Hmm, just wondering, could you be one of these people? Or maybe it's someone in your family or a good friend. In today's episode of Looking Forward, number 98, Jim Quinn is going to speak about a lot of these opportunities, which are all being driven by, you guessed it, technology. You know, when I was growing up, I was captivated by the movie The Graduate, in more ways than one, I might add. But let's not go there now, except to say that in the movie, Benjamin Braddock, the character played by the great actor Dustin Hoffman, was told that plastics was where the opportunities were to be found. Well, as you'll hear on this episode, today we might say that plastics is no longer where the opportunities lie. In fact, Jim Quinn lays out many of these opportunities here. He also tells us about a wonderful charitable organization he founded, which helps those in need lead better lives through the use of technology. Now, how great is that? Now, let me tell you just a little bit about our guest expert, Jim Quinn. Based in New York, Jim is Executive Managing Director of Jones Lang LaSalle Incorporated, known simply as JLL, which is a global commercial real estate services company. At JLL, Jim leads a group of technology and real estate professionals that provide advisory services to Fortune 500 companies and leading technology firms. Jim is the author of the recently released book, Tech Trends 24-7, and the impact of COVID-19. To learn more about Jim, the company he's with, JLL, his book, Tech Trends 24-7, and Beacon of Hope, the charity that he started with a noble mission, please visit the podcast page at www.jeff-ostroff.com. Jim, I know you've talked about the Internet of Things and 5G technology. I'm thinking of things that might have an impact on many lives. What yeah. are you seeing there? So I think the Internet of Things is another great one because when you think about, it's all about data today. And the more data you can basically analyze to look at, that's going to improve your personal life, your work life, transportation in cities. We haven't really talked much about smart cities, but really smart cities are very optimistic in terms of the future because when you can really monitor the sustainability efforts, the weather conditions, the weather patterns, what's the best way for 
keeping your city immaculate and clean, technology of internet things and having really looking at all that data and aggregating to, to really look at what's the best way efficiency for your city going forward. I think we're going to really see a lot of really big impact from a lighting standpoint and really um, conservation standpoint. There's a really a lot of great things in terms of what's going to happen with our smart cities. The phrase, the Internet of Things, can you clarify that for those of us who maybe just see it as three words, but don't understand, at least in layman's terms, what exactly that encompasses, what it means? Sure. Internet of Things is look at the things. Let's talk about the things first. Okay. Those really kind of, the things are data points. I'll give you an example. Car companies today, they're putting more and more technology. The interesting thing, cars now are becoming data centers, right? Which is amazing. So a car will have a basically data collector whereby let's just say that it knows when the car gets to 3,000 miles, you might have a trouble with, I don't know, let's just say oil, for example. So what it will do is it'll say, okay, we see that you're going to have trouble with your oil. And then it'll go to your screen on your car to say, these are the five areas of gas stations or garages that can fix that while you're driving. So think about that. That one piece of data that's tracking is really enhancing your trip because all of a sudden it's preventing you. It's letting you know you're about to have a problem. And by the way, these are the five places you can address it if you're on a trip from, say, Ohio to Florida. Pretty amazing stuff. It is. And I think you know, 5G is another one. We could talk about hours about 5G, but I'll give you an example. There's some fire departments in the United States that where there's robust 5G, they are really sending in drones to fire departments into a fire, and they're getting real-time video that historically that video in that type of a circumstance would be very grainy or you couldn't see anything. They're sending in a drone based upon 5G technology that at their headquarters to analyze exactly and help also the firefighters that are there on the ground find people as well as to see where the cause and what type of fire it is. So all that technology, that Internet of Things inside the fire department is really going to help fighting fires globally for the future. Wow, that sounds wonderful. When we talk about those sorts of examples that you give, Jim, say just the 5G that you mentioned. These are things that are well into development, already being used, or do you foresee these over the next few years? Where are these things? They're definitely being developed now. And I think it's, they're only going to get better. There's been a rollout, and the rollout is, I think it's been a surgical rollout. It, it was never as fast as a lot of people would say theirs, but it's going to be very impactful. Went to the Super Bowl this February out in Los Angeles. With your smartphone, with all the 5G technology that Verizon had, you could see stats. You could see like 15 different angles of how they were shooting the uh, outside of you watching it on a TV. And then you would also could see like where different vantage points were on the field. So there was a lot more things from an experience that you could really kind of feel as you're part of the game that you're going to continue to see in terms of entertainment that 5G would be leveraged to make your entertainment experience greater as well. Boy, sounds really exciting. 
I want to ask you about a few other areas, if you could quickly comment on them, and then we'll move ahead to opportunities, which is the other part of looking forward. Say a few words about medical technology. Do you get involved with medical technology? I know in your work, you probably don't directly, but your book. We had a chapter in about, you know, obviously with the Fitbits and and the the smartwatches, that was something that's very good that's going to continue. I mean, to really monitor your health benefits. The theme that we've been talking about, Jeff, is that one of the other great things out of COVID is that there's been a really conscious effort, I think, to improve health, your personal health, as well as health in the workplace. Yeah, of course, corporations were concerned about your health. But now it's like it's a foundation of a corporate culture to say, how are we going to help our employees continue to be healthy in the workplace as well as home? So it's really a bit of big objective. But like I mentioned before, having the MERV filters, making sure a lot of times now when I walk into my elevator, Madison Avenue, it's all touchless systems. Before with the COVID environment, the last thing you want to be doing is touching a bunch of buttons. Right now, it basically tells you you're going to the fifth floor. You don't have to touch any buttons. That's all important to really help making sure you're committed to health in the workplace as well as home. Jim, when you said that, you made me think of a couple of things. The first thing is, many years ago, when I was really focused on the seniors market, Mm -hmm. and I remember there was some effort being given or devoted to trying to make the retirees healthier, the retirees of the corporations. That's back in the day when corporations were picking up more of the tab. But there was also an interest in employee well-being. It sounds like COVID really catapulted that whole effort. And the other thing I want to ask you about with that is you go into, I won't mention names, but you go into in my area, and I'm in the Philadelphia area, you go into a very successful fast food place. Mm -hmm. And you push buttons on a kiosk. You go to a service station, a gas station, and you push credit card information. Is that going to change? Absolutely. I think that's a a great way. And not to, you know, I I don't want to make this a commercial for NVIDIA, but they do have concierge type of service where it's all based on artificial intelligence. If you were from, you spoke Spanish or French, First of all, you can order in your native language and they're enhancing it. So it's going to be a very good experience in terms of really ordering where you don't have to touch anything, whereby you do it all from an audio standpoint and then you drive around and you have your food. So absolutely, you're going to see it very prevalent in fast food organizations globally. And one other question in that area, and then we'll move on to the opportunities. And this is just so interesting to me. My expertise, again, back in the day, to some extent today, was marketing to seniors. Now it's baby boomers, right? I'm curious, do you see any technology? Now, I know we got the Fitbits and other things that's really going to promote longevity. I'm thinking of the baby boomers or do you see any devices or contraptions or medical technology implements that might facilitate that or enhance the possibility of it? I'm probably not the right person to talk about that. But one thing I will highlight, which I think you're onto something, is that you know, really when you think about all of the 
research that's been done from a DNA standpoint and in terms of how now with kind of my earlier comments of the advanced computing capabilities that we have and artificial intelligence, when you layer that on top of it, you're really, there's going to be a lot of breakthroughs from DNA and preventive medicine and preventive therapies because you're going to know about it a lot earlier than we've historically known about it. So I think there's another area that would be very helpful in terms of kind of looking at the the DNA and, and how you can really utilize that for preventive medicine. Yeah, Jim, good point. And what that makes me think about is as we have these advancements in technology, hopefully they will enable us, I'm thinking now of medical care, to be able to become more personalized in our ability to say, Jim, this is what you need or this will help you. Jeff, this is what will help you because some foods might not be as good for you as for me or some exercise. And it'll be more personalized, more individualized than en masse. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay. Looking forward is also called looking forward because usually we're looking forward to something and it's of something positive, right? So it's about opportunities on this program. Looking forward is opportunities. We know a lot of people were displaced by COVID. Other people decided they're just going to start their own businesses. We have students who are in college, will soon be in college, will get out of college. They're going to be looking for careers and jobs. We have entrepreneurs. You've talked about some companies and certainly Elon Musk, the entrepreneurial people and investors. So when you think about these disparate groups, where do you see opportunities for these people? Doesn't have to be all of them. Where would you tell a student you might want to major in this? Where would you tell a job seeker you might want to look for work here? what training, and then the investors and the entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think there are a lot of uh, different kind of approaches you could take. One is that whoever's going to be able to, from a consulting standpoint, advise corporations and businesses in terms of where technology innovation is going to go, that's kind of a good place to be, right? Because, you know, just like with anything in life, if you're going to work with a major corporation, you have to show constant value add, right? So yes. I think that the consulting companies, you look at somebody like a, in EY as a very good technology group, companies like JLL that you know, are global advisors. Can I stop uh, you for one second? Sure. Just so everybody knows, I think you were talking about Ernst & Young. What was that? You said E? Yes, EY, Ernst & Young. Yes. Ernst & Young. Very okay. good consulting platform and also very versed from a technology standpoint to name one. And then I think, you know, some areas where I talked about this a little earlier is that on sustainability, sustainability, like, you know, 10 years ago was like, oh, that's a great thought. And if we have some money, we'll do it. Now it's at the seed level and it's so important. Another great thing is that a lot of these corporations are committing to zero emissions, which is terrific. So anybody that can help be a part of a corporation with their sustainability efforts or be an advisor in terms of how they do it, they're going to have a bright future because obviously that's a very important area and that skill set, a lot of different groups are going to look for. And then really becoming a student of artificial intelligence, digital twin, if you could really be involved in that, their corporations are really being formed so many every day. That's going to be opportunities for students and also people You mentioned this, Jeff, 
They decided that you wanted to be an accountant for 20 years after COVID. You're like, you know, I want to do something more interesting to me or do something that's a change. Well, there you go. You could do something in technology, but you have to invest in the training. So we talked about sustainability, the different uh, technologies. I think those were really kind of the key ones. And I, I think that it's all about really trying to going back to being curious about technology and seeing where you can make a difference and kind of finding a pathway forward. That's great. Let me just go back to something you said, Jim, about sustainability. If I want to be successful in sustainability and rise up in my career, whether I'm making a transition from one thing to that facet of business, or if I'm a student, what kind of education do I need to get? Do I need to be environmental education? Environmental is environmental technology. What would I need? They're definitely environmental. They're also firms are starting sustainability type of classes and a curriculum. You're really seeing that. Even if you had a liberal arts major, my recommendation is if you can get an internship at one company that is sustainability, they're looking for hungry, curious people. They want to make a difference. You can have a pathway there and find a great job and then you work hard. You never know. They might offer you a full-time job after you graduate. Yeah, good point. One thing that we haven't really talked about is blockchain technology. Blockchain. Yeah, I was going to ask you about blockchain. It's another area where I think that if you're, you really do your research and you know, be smart about what you're doing, that's going to be a big part of the future because think about kind of contracts and how you really have a kind of a digital footprint of contracts going forward. That's going to really revolutionize a lot of different industries. So if you can really understand the technology and be a part of it, that's a good place to have a seat at the table. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I had the great guest on who in this case was from New York and also in, in Costa Rica, Edgar Fernandez. And we talked about blockchain. And I know that's another area that's going to become more and more exciting and it's going to be more integrated into our lives. Absolutely. One of the things that we like to do, Jim, when we bring experts on is we like to leverage their expertise so that they can give us some tips. You're an expert in technology and the innovations that have come out of technology and what impact they have on people, communities, and the workplace. And I'm wondering what tips you might be able to give our listeners about how to prepare for and capitalize on. That's another part of looking forward to technology trends and the innovations that you foresee. What are some tips? I think it's something that what we do every year, myself and my team, is that we do a technology audit of every facet of our business. We really want to be a student of technology, as I mentioned before. We want to look in terms of how we've done things. And we, we study our competition very carefully because, you know what, they might have something where we weren't aware of from a kind of a technology innovation that could be really impactful for our business. So I think it, it's constantly being curious. It's really looking at it on an annual basis on where's the world going? What are other people doing? What are people putting smart bets on and where are people having success as well as where people had failure? Because you can just learn as much as from, you know, something that didn't go well as something that goes remarkably well. So we do a, a really a lot of uh, kind of analysis on ourselves and analysis on our business to make sure we put, we're positioned 
for the future. And kind of this goes back for me when I realized, you know what, there's a lot of opportunity if you can help a corporation with their technology portfolio, because there's not a lot of people who can do it. And if you can do it, you really drive value. So when I did that assessment eight to 10 years ago, that was a very good thing that I did. I think it was a brilliant thing that you did. And those are good suggestions. One other question about that. If I'm the average consumer, don't work for a company where I'm involved in technology. I may not even work. How do I, as a layperson, I don't have Jim Quinn's expertise. What's the best place for me to go to get at least a little bit of an understanding about what's happening in the world? It's listening to podcasts such as yourself, looking forward, right? It's having conversations like we're having. It's reading all of the books that are cutting edge on technology. There's the app, I think it's called Blinkist. Are you familiar with that app? Yes, Blinkist. Great. It's like a kind of a synopsis of books. One of the things they keep on promoting is what's the uh, nine books that Elon Musk has read? Well, you could go right on that app and read them very quickly to get a sense of where things are going. I think that's important because, you know, one of the things that either you want to be ahead of the curve, and if you, if you don't put the focus and intensity in terms of doing that, you're going to be behind the curve. And right. anybody who's behind the curve, and there are a lot of corporations we could talk about, when you think about kind of Blockbuster back in the day, yeah. if they had the opportunity to buy Netflix, and for whatever reason, they weren't doing their research on the technology, yeah. and all of a sudden, you don't see, there are no more Blockbuster stores, but Netflix, you know, became one of the most successful companies in the world. So I think that's a great example of really under trying to be ahead of the curve instead of kind of being, have your head in the sand thinking like, oh, business is going great. You know, you always got to be critique yourself that what could we be doing better? Excellent points. I couldn't agree with you more about that. I would also add that we're going to give you a chance at the end to mention your book, which will also be a good resource for people to read so that they can learn about what's going on. I would be remiss if I didn't have you speak just a little bit, Jim, about something that I find really wonderful that you're involved with, which is the Beacon of Hope, the nonprofit charity people that Jim started in 2020. I love what you're focused on. I would love for you to share with people what Beacon of Hope is all about and why you got involved with it and maybe an example or two of what Beacon of Hope is doing. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Sure. Yeah, so one of the best outcomes of the book, and I have to be completely frank, when I when I had the idea to write the book, the first three weeks were not too good. I was like, I thought it was the worst idea I ever came up with because <laughs> I had serious writer's block. And I was like, you know, I wanted to make something where it was an impactful book, which, you know, just like with anything, you just keep at it and it came together and it, it is, I think, impactful. One of the best outcomes of writing the book was the research that I was doing on how technology is helping people in need. We have a chapter on uh, you know assistive technologies to help people, and I was absolutely amazed in terms of what things are being done today that are really helping people. And at that moment, I decided, you know what? Here's the time. There's not a lot of charities that do this. I'm starting a charity. The next day, I filed a, for the 501c3, and then we got it. And uh, we're trying to make a difference. And we're trying to highlight how technology is helping people. 
One of the companies that I researched in the book was Open Bionics, the UK technology company that created the first 3D printed bionic arm in hand, which is amazing. So when I looked at what they were doing, I reached out to them right away. I started a charity. They said, you know what? We would love your help. We're very active in the UK. We're starting to get active in the US. So we're working with them very closely. And I'll give you an example. One of the gentlemen that we helped was uh, in his early 20s. When he was born, he was born without his right hand. Mm. And his dad was in the UK. He was, a, he was a salesperson. So he moved you know, from school to school to school just because he had to go where, obviously, where his dad was. And he said it was kind of the hardest thing the first couple of weeks at school because everyone would come up and say, well, what happened? What happened? And then for those type of prosthetics, it was just really didn't do much. It was kind of, it kind of looked like a hand, but it wasn't. So then he heard about open bionics. He went to the firm and said, I would love to apply. They talked to us about it. We worked on a fundraising campaign. We were the lead sponsor to get him as a hero arm. And it's bionic cam. It looks like something out of Iron Man, like <laughs> out of a Marvel movie, which he said, my life has been transformed because now I have a functioning hand. And now people come up to me to say, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so the transformation that he's had is just phenomenal. And it's something that by us being making a difference, you know, I can give you more examples, but just focus on one. I was so committed to say, we got to do more of this. And that's why it's kind of been a great outcome of the book. And, you know, we're working with them very closely and we're doing other campaigns with them because Jeff, I don't know if you're aware of this, but in the United States, there are 2 million people that are limb challenged and wow. people can really use these bionic hero arms. So we're trying to make a difference. Well, you are already. That's just one example. I'm sure you could talk about others. I think it's a wonderful thing. And what I really like is when a business, it could be an individual who's an entrepreneur, small business or a bigger business, when they are giving back to the community, when they are doing things that will help those who are less fortunate than most of the rest of us are for whatever reason. I, I think that's just a great thing. And that's what you're doing with Beacon of Hope. I just wanted to add one other thing. I think probably everybody who's written a book probably has a story about how challenged they were and I'll just mention that for me, I thought when I wrote my book that I could continue to write my book and do consulting at the same time. And I found out, and you probably did do that, but I found out, you know what? I can't do them both. I just shut everything else down. And my goal, Jim, every day, if I could write two pages, if I could write two pages yeah. a day, I was thrilled. And someday the two pages came very quickly and other days, oh my, to get through two pages. So I, I understand when you had the writer's block at first, I can relate to that. Well, this has been wonderful. And I know that our listeners are going to want to find out more about you and they're going to want to find out more about JLL, your new book, and the beacon of hope and anything else you would want to share with them. So can you please tell our listeners how they might be able to find out more about any of those things, Jim? Of course. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. So the book is, we have a website, techtrends247.com. So that, that's a great way. And then we also have 
you know, beaconofhope365.com as well for the charity. And in terms of you want to contact me, uh, best email is my JOL email. It's james.quinn at am.jol.com. Okay. And we'll also put that up in the show notes, Jim. One of the things that's really great about the web is it's so easy to create these addresses. Jeff Ostroff at whatever and Jim Quinn at whatever and Beacon of Hope at whatever. We didn't have that back in the day. You know, there was no web to really talk about. But it's great to have these addresses. It's a lot easier than spilling out like 2735 Main Street, Apartment exactly. <laughs> I love this. Jim, this yeah. has been terrific. I really appreciate your being on Looking Forward and sharing this very important information with us and also about the Beacon of Hope. My pleasure, Jeff. Well, that's it for this episode of Looking Forward. I'd highly recommend you check out part one of our two-part series with Jim Quinn if you missed that one. It's episode number 97. And if you want to hear other Looking Forward episodes, please visit www.jeff-ostroff.com. And hey, while you're at it, why not tell a family member or friend about this episode or any of our nearly 100 other Looking Forward episodes? Any one of them will not only point you in the direction of a potential global opportunity, but it will also make for a great conversation. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F-Ostroff-O-S-T-R-O-F-F.com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.